0: at, and uh, hopefully God will help us with those. So Titus chapter 3, we said, Titus 1, there needs to be godliness in the church. Titus chapter 2, godliness in the home. Titus chapter 3, godliness in the world that is taken to a world by God's people. If you look there in verse 5, but after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Now, I was going to take the time today, but now I'm not for the sake of time, but this is a faithful saying. Maybe in your Bible, if you would write there 1 Timothy 1.15, four times that word faithful saying occurs. 1 Timothy one fifteen, a faithful saying is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Aren't you glad Jesus came to save sinners? And then if you'd write down 1 Tim- Timothy 4.9, that godliness is profitable, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And then the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.11, that's the third other location besides yours, 2 Timothy 2.11, that the crucified life should be a priority in our life. That we endure hardness for the benefit of somebody else, that we'll suffer with him. And if we'll suffer with him, then we'll reign with him. And then this statement, but we're not going to look at the faithful saying. The end of the verse is really what I'm interested in this morning. The Bible says that we which believe in God might be careful. Careful, that's full of care. That, that is someone that is paying great attention. That we might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. Skip down if you would with me down to verse number 14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Only two times in the Bible the word maintain occurs, both of them in Titus chapter 3, both of them dealing with good works. Now, the fear that we have as Bible believers is that somebody makes works a means of salvation. Oh, I don't think it could have been sung any better. Hey, it was finished on the cross. There's no church that died for you. Jesus Christ died for you. Uh, there was no baptistry that hung there. It was the lovely Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he finished that work. And that's why the Bible says in verse 5, not by works of righteousness. And We've already looked at that. That My works don't save me. There's nothing I can do to gain the favor of God. Nothing I can do to gain the righteousness of God. That only comes by faith. But because of that, we have such an emphasis, I think, in our circle. Of saying, listen, it's not of works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But what about Ephesians 2.10? Do we know Ephesians 2.10? 2, 2, 8 and 9 definitely tell us that our salvation is not by our works. But 2.10 tells us why we were saved. And if you look in the passage, I think it's important to understand that the Bible says in. <coughs> In verse number 8, that we should be careful to maintain good works. That that should not be something that is just an afterthought. That that shouldn't just be something, well, you know, maybe once in a year I'll hear a message on charity and I need to do a good work. No, the Bible says here that we should be careful to maintain good works. Now, I think that's important to understand. In, in Titus, you have so much mentioned of, about good works, and in verse number seven, you have a pattern of good works. That's there. That's, a, that's the, without question a pattern of good works. And then you look down at verse number 14, you have a people of good works, a peculiar people zealous of good works. Well, here in verse number eight, in verse number 14, we have the, the perpetual nature of good works, that it's something that should be constantly being done, that it's something that should be part of our life, that we should maintain good works. Now, I know that uh, I asked one one of our men before service, when's the last time you heard a Baptist preacher preaching on good works? It's just not something we do often. What we preach on is we preach on you can't get to heaven by your works, and that's correct. But we ought to be a people that are Full of good works. Come on now, help me just a minute. In John chapter 10, Jesus said this, many good works have I shown among you. How many think Jesus was full of good works? Not just good words. I appreciate the fact that when he spoke, never man spake like this man. But Jesus was full of good works. Sometimes it was to his friends like Mary and Martha whose brother Lazarus had died. Sometimes it was to a host of Jewish people that gathered on a hillside and he would feed 5,000 or he would feed 4,000. How many many of you think it's a good work when somebody takes and pays your bill at the restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Jesus many times would go and he would take and he would bless Someone 's children even to the to really much much to the to, to the concern of the disciples they said look he's too busy and yet he said no you suffer, suffer the little children not and come, let, bid them to come unto me he blessed people's children you can see how he did many things the impotent man he healed him the man with the withered hand the woman with the issue of blood Jairus' daughter he took it all of those people he healed them he touched their life he did more than just speak to them the blind man, the blind man, he gave him his sight. And you can look at all the things that he did to those Jewish people. And listen, I think if there's anybody that we ought to be good to, don't you think we ought to be good to God's people? Amen. I mean, I think that we ought, we ought to be rich in good works to each other. All right, we ought not just be rich in the truth, but we ought to be rich in good works one to another. And then Jesus stepped outside of that. Jesus, that centurion, definitely, definitely not a man of Israel. That centurion sent for help for his servant and wanted him to come heal him. And, you know, Jesus did exactly that. He healed that centurion's servant. And then that Gentile woman, that Canaanite woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil, and and when she was put off and put off again and put off again, she said, yea, master, but even the dog." eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, well, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And he healed, he healed that Gentile woman's daughter. I'm glad that Jesus wasn't just good to the Jews. I'm glad God was good to the Gentiles as well. I, I'm glad that when they sing, it was finished on the cross, it wasn't just for those people over in Palestine. I'm glad he cared about people that lived in South Carolina. You understand what I'm saying is this, that Jesus was good not just to the Jewish people and not just to his friends and family, but he was good to people that had nothing to offer that were outside of his scope of fellowship. And when I think about Jesus being that kind of Savior, can I show you about four verses this morning That would help you and I. Be careful to maintain good works. Put a mark, if you would, in Titus chapter 3. I think this is a principle that we need to see today. Look at Matthew chapter 5, if you would, just a moment. Matthew chapter 5. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe we ought to be salt. I believe we ought to be light. I don't don't doubt that. I, I believe that we ought to let our light shine. I believe we ought to be the salt of the earth. But when you look in the Bible, look at verse number 16. I want you to notice this is a principle. This is Jesus speaking that Sermon on the Mount. He's preaching, and when he gets to this, here's what he says. Look at verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, he says what you do ought to be able to be seen in front of people that may not even know who God is. Maybe I should say it this way. The way the Bible says that, that your good works are publicly visible, not not just done in a congregation, but publicly visible to a world that may not know who your Savior is, and they have to say, I'll tell you what, God, God just must be really good. And I think that, listen, I think the world right now is stretching themselves to the people of Ukraine. I I believe that there there is a a very, very difficult situation on the precipice of something far greater. Um, And maybe the rapture will take place and it'll just be fulfilled like we've read in the Bible. But the fact is there are people that are cold and hungry and hurting. They've been separated from family members. Children, children who don't know what dad's really doing because he never was in the military, but he stayed behind and they all went across the border. People that are hiding down in the basements. Of their houses and not like we do when a tornado comes through well at least in South Carolina I'm sure would perhaps we'd do that in Alabama people gather into those shelters when tornadoes come through and they wait until it's passed and there's so much there's so much concern and so much anxiousness and fear do you know right now in the Ukraine those people are living underneath bombardments on weapons being shot their direction and the world is reaching out and saying we're behind you and we're gonna put something in front of you and we're gonna give you something to eat and we're gonna put put you in our car and take you to a place and give you a, a ride and, and give you a place to be able to sleep. People have gone online and bought up bed and breakfasts and Airbnbs and said, we'll let you go there. And you know what? That, that shows that the world, at least in that point, understands those people are suffering through something that I should at least try to help in some way. You know what? If the world would be kind to the world, shouldn't believers be kind to the world as well? Now, I know we've done that. We've had all kind of things, gathered water together. I'm just saying, the Bible says that your good works should be seen. Not your good heart. Not your good faith. Your good, te- your good works should be seen. Look at it again, if you would, with me. Look, and I mentioned this earlier. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Because we definitely know 8 and 9, but look at Ephesians chapter 2. Now, I'm preaching this to us. I'm preaching this to me. Um, I I need to be preached to about good works. I, I think there are a lot of Christians that are so, so settled on the fact good works won't take you to heaven that we just don't have to do anything but wait till the rapture. That's not biblical. We should be maintaining good works as believers. Look at Ephesians 2. where we get 2, 8, and 9, not of works lest any man should boast, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In other words, that we've been created, we're new creatures in Christ, but we've been created for a purpose, we've been created unto good works, notice, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When you walk, walking is is not like running, walking is something that you do that is constant and, and it takes time and you get from point A to point B, all right? And walking in good works is the same idea that there is good work after good work after good work after good work. Not just something done at Christmas time, not just something done in a moment of, of, of hardship, but it's a part of our lives. And look, shouldn't it hey, come on? Help me this morning. Shouldn't it be part of our life that God has been so good to us that I should show to other people the kindness of God? I'll say more about that in a minute. So Ephesians two ten, it's a principle. That you and I were created unto good works. Now, we weren't created by good works. But we were created unto good works. Then look at it again if you go there to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, go to chapter 6 if you would. Almost back to where we began. But 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is all New Testament now. These are verses in the Bible that are principles just like Romans ten thirteen and John three sixteen. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, what the Bible says, it gives us great warning. One of the greatest warnings in the Bible about riches and the love of money. Verse 9, they that will be rich. Verse 10, the love of money. It speaks about loving money and they that will be rich and what that means. So it gives us great admonition. But then if you look at verse, uh, look what the Bible says down in verse number 18. We'll start in verse 70. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. And boy, isn't that true? Riches you have one day may be gone the next day. Who in the world thought we'd be paying four dollars and fifty cents for gasoline? Two hundred dollars a square foot for a house. That retirement account loses lots of value every time inflation goes up. Somebody can break in and steal. I had somebody make a charge with Apple using my bank card, and so I checked with my wife and my family, and they said it wasn't us. So I called Apple, and they said, "Well, somebody used your card fraudulently." And you want know to ask them? Ask them who. And they said, we can't tell you that because of privacy matters. <laughs> That's about upside down, isn't it? But what I thought I had in my bank account, gone. Now, hopefully it comes back. <laughs> the point is, is, what's here today is gone. So he says, he says, listen, those uncertain riches that they should trust rather than the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, amen, that they do good and that they be. Could you read these four words with me? Rich in good works. Let's try it again. First Timothy 6, 18. Look in your Bible. That they do good, that they be, let's read it together, rich in good works. Rich in good works well, I'm rich in the pantry that I have because it's full, and I'm rich in the house that I have because it's fully furnished, and I'm, I'm rich in the accounts that I have because there's money in them for retirement. But the Bible says that we're to be rich in good works. If we had an account of our lives set aside with your name on it that had the title good works on it, how much work would be in there? Come on, help, come on, church. If you had an account that had good works on it, I'm talking whether it's to God's people or to the world. How many works would be listed? How full would that account be? Because the the, the statement is that we be rich in good works. Not that we're rich, but that we'd be rich in good works. Look at it one more time. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The quietness of the message in the auditorium doesn't bother me at all because I, I understand we get excited about the fact that Jesus finished the work and that we don't have to work our way to heaven. But I'm telling you this morning, God wants you to be rich in good works. Rich in good works. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, great verse we love there. And verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Boy, can you say amen to that? You're here this morning. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 24 right above it. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to... To provoke unto good works. Do you ever provoke anybody? Have you ever provoked anybody? Last night on the way home from uh, Florida or from Atlanta... Um, I, I was in the car, my car, I was driving, had one of our college students pick me up. I appreciate that help there in Atlanta, got in late. And we're coming back, and somewhere outside of, I don't know if it was uh, somewhere outside of Easley, there's this car goes flying by us, this car. It was a green car, muscle car, and, you know, it kind of caught my attention. It was pretty late. And then that car got off the same place that we got off, and then it, it turned to go to the same place we were going. And it's coming down Whitehorse Road. And and I didn't plan it, but we ended up side by side at a stoplight. And that guy or gal started going, and as a pastor, I'm sitting here thinking, no, you shouldn't do that in front of this college student. (laughs) And so the light turned green and I didn't I, I just kinda got out in front just a little bit and then all of a sudden pulls up to me and I'm thinking, No. no. You know what he was doing? He's provoking me. <laughs> now some of y'all would say, No, that's just crazy. No, he's prov- he knew what he was doing. He's provoking me. Who do you provoke the good works? Do you provoke your family? How about your Sunday school class? Sunday school class is a place where we go to learn information. Well, couldn't it be a place that we could provoke one another to good works? Do you understand? He's saying in verse 24 that we should provoke one another unto love and to good works. So these are principles that we find in the Bible that that God wants us to be full, to be rich in good works. He wants us to provoke one another Two good works. He wants our good works to be seen before men that they would glorify your Father, which is in heaven. These are statements that he's making. Now, he's not saying that you use these good works to get to heaven, but that you should be full of them because you're going to heaven. And and then when we get back to our passage, go back, if you would, to Titus chapter (coughs) 3. The statement is not to begin... The statement at the end of verse number eight is to maintain good works. That's the same statement that you find in verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain. These are not something that you begin, and I feel like, but maybe some of us, including myself, that I, I probably should be more careful in my mind to do something good, good works to somebody else, but if I'm not doing anything good, then I have nothing to maintain. But I need to maintain it. And he says that they need to be careful to maintain that. And here's what he says. Look at it. This is such an important thing. Look at verse number 8 again. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. In other words, he's telling this young preacher, you need to affirm this constantly. If That word affirm is used over there, I believe, in Acts chapter 12, where Rhoda goes to the door. All the church is praying and Peter is let out of the prison because they're going to behead him, and he's knocking at the door, and she goes to the door, recognizes the voice, look out there, and it's Peter, doesn't open the door, but she comes back inside, and she said, hey, Peter's outside. And they says, no, it's a ghost. He said, no, Peter's outside. You're a crazy woman. No, Peter's outside. She keeps saying it over and over again. Finally, they say, okay, we'll go look at it. Have you ever had a child do that to you? Come on, have you ever had somebody constantly affirm something to you over and over and over again? Well, that's exactly what he said, that this is something that needs to be repeated. I don't know that I've ever preached a message on just good works. And he says this is something that should be affirmed constantly. You need to take and affirm this because if you look down just below at verse 9, there's some things that need to be avoided. The things that need to be avoided, the Bible says at the end of verse 9, they're unprofitable in vain. Do you see that in your Bible? But this in verse 8, the things that need to be affirmed constantly, the end of the verse says these are good and profitable unto men. She so he says you need to be taking and advancing this idea of maintaining good works, of taking and stretching yourself that direction. Look at that if you would at verse number 14. Verse 14 says, and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. So ours, that has to be the believers that are in Crete. That has to be for everybody. So the first thing I want to say about good works, I believe that if you're born again, everybody ought to be engaged in good works. Amen. Right. We have people in our church that are on ministries of bereavement, and that's a good work. We, we have all kind of people that are involved in a card ministry that they send out cards and that's a good work. But you know what I don't think should be true? I don't think that good work should be assigned to a certain people in the church Pastor, you know, pastor's family, assistant pastor, missions director. I don't, I don't think it should be that we assign. I think everybody ought to be involved in good works. The reason I say that is because it says let ours, if you're born again, that you need to be involved in a good work of some kind, that there's something that you ought to be doing in good works, not necessarily ministry. Ministry and good work, two different things, but good works. Look at the next thing he says, and let ours also, you see that word in your Bible, learn. <laughs> how many of you know how to paint? I'm just, uh, let's, let's see it raised high because we may need a little help here. How many of you don't know how to paint? I wanted to earn a little money one time and I told my dad, Dad, I'll paint the garage for you. He said, you will. I said, yes, sir. told him how much I'd paint it for. And it was kind of a two-story type garage. And I think about halfway through the project, maybe a quarter of the way through the project, <laughs> Dad said, I think we're going to find somebody else to paint the garage. <laughs> and I agreed with him because he didn't know how. And, you know, I told that story to one of them in our church in Alabama. He said, Preacher, I'm going to teach you how to paint. Okay. And he showed me how you get the paint on the brush. And he showed me how you take and you kind of feather the brush. And and he showed me how you use the tape and all those things. And and you know what? I still didn't learn it very well. But I do know a little more about it now than I did then. How many of you men know how to change the oil in your car? How many of you know how to change the brakes? You know, if you go to Google and just look that up, you're probably not going to do the best job. But if you let somebody teach you, and here's what the Bible says, let ours also learn. There's some things that we ought to learn. You say, well, who would I learn it from? Well, look in the passage. Go back up and look. Oh, my goodness. Look what it says in verse 4. Look look where we should learn it from. Look in verse 4. Verse 4 says, but after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. How many of you think that God's given us a pretty example of what kindness is? Come on, so he's already taught us how to be kind. He's taught us in the Gospels. He's taught us personally. Look at this, it says, the kindness and love of God. Aren't you glad that God loves sinners? So he's given us an example. He's taught us how. Look in verse number five, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy. Hasn't God shown us how to be merciful? Come on, how many of you have enjoyed the mercy of God? So here's what happens. He's already shown us the kindness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, that should be part of who I am because he is now on the inside. So we ought to learn, if nothing else, from the example of our Savior. You can believe what you want to believe about Jesus. I do not believe Jesus was a guy that walked around wearing blue jeans, had a Fu Manchu, had a T-shirt, you know, drank, uh, you, know, ca- uh, you know, some kind of cappuccino and, and just hung out with the people. I, I, but I do believe about Jesus. I believe he was good to people. I would say it again, I believe he was good to people. I believe he went about everywhere he went, I believe he went about doing good. Not always preaching, but doing good. And I think, I think people enjoyed being around him. You say why do you believe that? Because I enjoy being around him. <laughs> <laughs> and all I'm saying is, is that the ours, that includes all of us, that we learn to maintain. So I've got to learn to maintain good works and those works being maintained, look what it says, for necessary uses to meet a need. So maybe somebody's right now saying, well, preacher, what what is a good work? I I ask the same question. Go with me, if you would, keep a mark right there in Titus chapter three and go just, just a few pages to your left to 1 Timothy chapter five. Now, if you're interested in following what God has told us, all right, I'm to maintain good works. I need to be rich in good works. My good works need to be seen before others that they may glorify God, that I was created unto good works. If I'm going to take that, provoke others to good works, what does that look like? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 5, speaking about widows. All right, now look what the Bible says. Verse number 10. 1 Timothy 5:10: Well reported of for good works. Well, what does that mean? Well, look at it. If she have brought up children, so bringing up children is a good work. That ought to help. Somebody that says, "Oh, you don't, you don't have a job." It's a good work. Look at this it says, "If she have lodged strangers. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever done that. There's a lady though in Alabama, and she's in heaven. her oh my, she had a, a house, right? The train track was as far as this pulpit is to the edge of that balcony. And I don't know that she ever lodged anybody, but what she did her, her, her daughter they told me this story she was washing dishes and looking out there, and there was a man seated in that train and looked really poor, just bedraggled. And she, she took and fixed him a plate of food, walked out of her house across, up there up to the railroad tracks where that car was, handed him a plate of food walked back and went to her house. And they said, and preacher, when she looked back up, he was gone. And one of them asked me, do you think that could have been an angel? I said, I don't know. We'll get to heaven. We might find that out. Lodging strangers, that's somebody you don't know. Listen, 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 listen. I'm asking myself this question. How many strangers have you been good to lately? I I can't say I've been good to a lot of strangers. There's a guy in in the airport, military guy, and uh, we're in the line, and I said, hey, listen, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Appreciate your service. He said, oh, you don't have to do that. I said, let me buy it." So I bought him a cup of coffee. He's standing there with me. And when they bring it out, I, I'm talking to him about the Lord. I gave him a track. There's another guy listening. And he says, man, I appreciate, because I, I told him I was in the military as well. He said, oh, I appreciate your service. I appreciate yours too. And I handed him. And so we left there and, and they were happy because one of them got coffee and the other one got a track. <laughs> and I got the blessing of being able to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you do that all the time preacher? No, I don't. That's why I'm telling you. I'm preaching this message for me. How many strangers are we good to? How many strangers in your neighborhood? How many strangers at work? How many people are we good to? And that's what this says. If she if she have lodged strangers, how many of you think it'd be a big deal to have a stranger come and stay in your house? Come on now. That's a pretty big deal. If you're a widow, she must have had a big gun. <laughs> if she have washed the saints' feet, do you see that? Washing the saints' feet. Mm. How many of you would not want to wash somebody else's feet? Feet are dirty. Feet smell. Feet are nasty. I'm glad I have them. And I try to take care of mine, but you're talking about taking care of somebody else's. And here it says, if she have washed the saints' feet, she's ministering to somebody that's born again. This is somebody that is a believer. I ask myself so when's the last time that I was good to somebody in the church just to be good to them? Not because it's my responsibility. Visit the hospital. When's the last time just being good? Then look what else it says. If, if she have relieved the afflicted. That's part of what the world's doing in the Ukraine right now. If she have diligently followed every good work. And, and the Bible lists a group of things there. Maybe I can say this. There are poor people definitely that we could be good to. Come on, how many of you think most of us here aren't, aren't poor? Would you say amen to that? The world standards, you and I are not poor. Alright, we, we may not have the, the best, or we may not have everything you see on television, but the Bible is very clear, we, we, are, we are more than just covered with food and raiment. We have a, how many of you have a whole lot more than just food and raiment? Amen. Amen. And in saying that, we can help the poor, we can help people that are, that are in need, the needs of the ministry, the needs of the church. We're going to have a work day at the end of this month. You think the message on good works will land very squarely on that? Well, preacher, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. A Work day. Sometimes you have to do things for the church. There are people that sometimes are in crisis. And I know we have people. This church is full of people. This church is full of people that work whether there's a work day or not there are people in this church that are good to people whether they're on the list or not. Take by something to eat. Take by some kind of food because they've, they've had a, lo- a death in their family or they've had some hardship in their family. I mean, we have, we've had people that go and, and use their businesses to help other people out of issues they've had. I can't tell you since I've been pastor here talking about different people that have businesses and somebody say, well, yeah, that man helped me out. This man helped me out. This lady helped me out. Th- they did this for me and that is a good work and it, hey, it ought to be something that we don't just do once in a while I think it ought to be something that's constant. So good works. So go back to Titus chapter 3. These good works should include everyone. These good works sometimes have to be learned. You have to, to find a way to ask questions. How can I be good to people around me in the world, in the church? In my family. Those works, need verse 14, need to be maintained for necessary uses. Now, watch at the end of verse 14. That they be not unfruitful. Look at the end of verse 8. These things are good and profitable unto men. In other words, there is a fruitfulness that comes from good works. Um, You know, when somebody does something kind to you, that, that really, that helps your heart. If it's somebody from the church, it really kind of connects your heart to them because they knew you had a need and they met that need. And there's fruit that comes from that. You say, what fruit? Well, the fruit, the fruit of love, joy, and peace. Can I ask you a question? If we were being really good to each other, don't you think it'd be a little bit harder for the devil to cause division? Wouldn't it be harder? And so what I'm saying is there is a fruit that comes from that. But that fruit is only available and that profit is only available if we maintain those good works. If we're actively engaged, if we learn them and we decide I'm going to be part of that and I'm going to make it part of my life. It's not just going to be I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm trying to do good on the way there to people. And I know that flies in the face of what we've heard so many times. Praise God I'm on the way to heaven and I'm glad Jesus finished the work. I'm glad he finished the work, but he left me here to do some works for other people. Sometimes we have hurting people. Just be good to them. How many of you remember what it was like to be newly married? <laughs> I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm going to say how many people raise your hand. You remember what it was like to be newly married? You remember what it was like to, to have a little bit left? My mother told me the roaches were so bad in the little apartment they lived in that she had to keep all the dishes in the refrigerator. That's pretty poor, isn't it? You know, somebody gets married to be good to them. You know what what it's been easy for me to do? It's been easy for me to see somebody loses their mother, their dad. I know what that feels like now. I don't know what it feels like to lose a spouse, but I certainly have prayed, looking at many of you this morning, prayed for you, daily basis. Just just being good. People People that have a heavy burden to carry. And all I'm just saying is that God, God has told this young man through the hand of Paul, look, maintain good works. So I'm going to ask you a question again this morning. I'm finished. This is, this is where I'll finish this morning. How does your good works account look? Ask yourself that question. If we were to break it down in a ledger, how many good works have you provided for people that you know love God right here at this church? Is that that line full? How about the people in the world? If you looked and you said, how how many good works have I really collected amassed this past week, this past month? How full is my account? And if you look at that account and you say, you know, I don't like the way that looks. You know, know, I think it's a blessing. You don't have to be rich to be rich in good works. How many of you many times have looked at your bank account and wished there was more money in it? You know, there's only one way to be able to make that happen earn it. I can hear somebody say, No, you play the lottery. You bet Cat's going to go down. <laughs> you got to earn it. So you look at it and say, well, how, how many people? You know, Tabitha? Tabitha was so full of good works that when she died, all those widow women were over there and they're crying and they're weeping and they're reaching over and they're pulling out a piece of clothing and they're saying, look at what she made for me and look at what she made for me. She had, she had been so busy at being good that those people said, look at this. I'm convicted in my own heart about a lack of carefulness toward good works and I'm determined to do a better job at that. So here's what I'd ask you. You can stand at your feet just a moment. Maybe. Maybe in your altar, maybe right there in your pew, but maybe. Maybe there'd be some of you that would get on an altar and say, God, would you help me in the area of good work? Because I need to do a better job in that. I, I need to be richer. I don't like what's in my account. And I'm not just talking, I'm talking about the people in the church. Bible, you do understand, the Bible is very clear. You reap what you sow. Can't tell you how many times somebody says, preacher, nobody called me, nobody came by. Do you ever call? Do you ever go by? All I'm just saying is, the Bible's very clear. Maintain good works. How rich are we? How rich are we? Brother Ken, you play a little bit, and uh, let's, just, let's just talk about, to God a little while about that. I, I, believe, I really believe this is something so needful. We shouldn't leave it to other churches, liberal churches, mega churches, to have all kind of good works in them and then so few in Bible-believing churches. Now, I know we have a lot of people. Oh, I know it. God, help us more, more than what we're doing now. Lord, please help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take
1: my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise, let them flow in ceaseless praise take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let, yeah, me, let, it, sing. let me sing. Always, Always only for my, my King. Okay. This morning, Take man. my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee filled with messages from Thee mm.
0: All right. I'm curious. How many of you have heard a message on good works before that we ought to be doing? I'm just curious. Yeah. That's why you preach through the Bible. Amen. Amen. Preach through the Bible because you've got to preach things that you don't preach normally. How about tonight? You want me to preach on heretics tonight? It's in the passage. How many of you ever heard a message on heretics? I didn't say how many of you called somebody heretic. Do we even know what heretic is? Yeah, it's a really (laughs) heretic. That was terrible. That's why I don't tell jokes. (laughs) Come on, Brother Timothy. Have somebody I want you to come by this morning and uh, and say hello to and, and greet as new family members. This is Brother Timothy and Sister Melody Sheets, and uh, they live in Seneca. And, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. That's where the church is. Okay, I'm sorry. So, you know where you live. They're coming from Fair Play. And um, uh, they're coming by letter from the church in Seneca, from Utica. And uh, and, and they want to join by letter. And I've asked them, been born again, scripturally baptized. They said yes. They've been driving a good distance. How long does it take you to get here? It takes an hour to get here. How many of you glad we got some people that want to come an hour to church? Amen. Amen. So all in favor of taking them into our fellowship until the letter gets here, raise your right hand. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go see Brother Doucette on the way out. Brother Doucette, you or your wife, either one over there. I don't know, Brother Rob, we get that table up. I don't see Rob, he's doing it now. And then uh, make sure you come by and tell them that you're glad they're part of our family. And, um, you know, you never know who's standing here. Brother Sheets may own a car dealership. Never know who you got in front of you. I tell you, who we got in front of us. Got two people that belong to Jesus Christ, Amen. part of our family. Lord, thank you for the great day. Lord, thank you for the Set singing today. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in Ukraine. And Lord, thank you, thank you for the reminder that even when we think that perhaps we've we've grown to a place that perhaps we could be comfortable with, that we we still have so much left to grow into. And I pray you'd help us to be a people that are just fervent. In good works, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Dismiss.